Welcome to Technology Transfer IP. Technology transfer is the process by which valuable research, skills, knowledge, and technology developed by educational institutions is transferred to industry for development and to products and services that will benefit society. From basic patent licensing to promoting startups, entrepreneurship, and industry collaborations, while also investing in and managing technology developments. We bring you conversations with the leaders in technology transfer who will share their stories, including their successes, challenges, and expectations for the future. Here's your host, Lisa Mueller. Hello and welcome. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Laura Fritz, Director of the License and Patent Strategy and Chief Intellectual Property Officer at Emory University. At Emory, Laura manages the in-house patent group assists the licensing team with negotiations, monitors licensees' performance post-license, and ensures the university's compliance with all government reporting obligations under the Bayh-Dole Act. Prior to Emory, Laura was a partner with the litigation boutique Kasowitz, Benson, Torres, and Friedman, where she focused on pharmaceutical and chemical patent litigation. Laura has a Bachelor's of Art in Chemistry from the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, a Master's of Public Health and Master's of Business Administration from the University of Alabama at Birmingham, and a JD from Emory Law School. Laura serves on the Executive Committee for the Atlanta IP Inn of Court, sits on the Advisory Board for Georgia Patents, which stands for Pro Bono Assistance and Training for Entrepreneurs and New Talented Solo Inventors, and has taught patent law at Emory Law School. And with that impressive background, Welcome to the podcast, Laura. Oh, thanks for having me. It's really great to be here. Well, thanks again for taking part in the podcast. I'm really excited to have you here. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about your background and ultimately what led you to tech transfer. You were a partner in a law firm and you focused on pharmaceutical and chemical patent litigation. What ultimately led you to switch gears and go in-house, so to speak, at Emory? I I really needed a change of pace. Uh, Being a Partner to law firm requires a lot of time, a lot of effort. And I had a very hectic schedule as a litigator. I had a lot of travel and emergency deadlines. It was hard to plan around having a young family. So my, my daughter was young when I transitioned out of the law firm. Uh, my, my family needed me here more consistently than I was. And I wanted just a bit more stability and balance. Uh, and I was fortunate that with my background in the pharmaceutical industry, that Emory had an in-house position that was not the same, but could was relatively similar to what I had been doing before. At least I could use what I had learned over the 12 years doing pharmaceutical work uh, and apply it to this new position. So what was the adjustment like going from life to uh, tech transfer? That's a pretty big change. It is definitely, uh, it, it is a big change and it took a significant amount of an adjustment. Um But I I was trained well by the people I worked with when I was in private practice. I had a lot of client contact, so I was used to people calling me and asking me questions and being ready to answer their questions. Um, And law firm life and litigation in particular really teaches you to to work hard, to focus on what's important, and to work well within a team. So what surprised you the most about the transition over? I think the thing that has surprised me the most is how much I like to travel. (laughs) for vacation. And I never really got to do that when I was working in the law firms with with the 
the hectic litigation schedule and the trial schedules that we had, I would plan vacations periodically and typically have to cancel them. So I think the most positive thing I have taken away from my new role is just how much I really love to travel. Um, but beyond that, uh, working in academia, there is, you know, there's a significant amount of bureaucracy that you have to work through. Uh, it, it's no longer the position where you make a decision and can immediately execute upon it. You really do have to work, uh, work through the bureaucracy. And you know, we don't have a lot of support and resources that support the work that we're doing. Uh, we, we handle a significant amount of work. And just to get to that work, we really, it takes a little bit longer than expected because we have to handle every single detail ourselves. Wow. Interesting. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about Emory's patent group. Um, unlike a lot of tech transfer office, you have your own patent group with your own patent professionals. Can you tell us a little bit about the group, maybe how it got its start, and then how many uh, patent attorneys and other support staff you have? Sure. So it's a really timely question because uh, the Emory patent group, we call it EPG, started during the last recession. So it was born of a need to have more consistent patent spend. And so the thought was, well, if we bring in in-house counsel, we can manage how much we're spending on our budget by just having their salaries cover the, the majority of the work that they're going to be doing and the work that we're going to need them to do. Uh, so I believe it was back in 2009. Uh, this predates me, but my, my boss, Todd Shear, the executive director of Emory's Office of Tech Transfer, uh, set up the office and set up the, the patent group. And he, along with my predecessor, Suzanne, Hollinger did a really great job of setting up a really strong team. And so the team is the same, uh, at least the attorneys are the same as when the group started. And I think that's that's been a big part of the success. Uh, Emory is unique in that the vast majority of our technologies are related to biotech. And since there's not so much uh, diversity in the technologies, it makes it more manageable for two patent attorneys to handle the vast majority of that prosecution. So we have, we have two patent attorneys and we have one patent manager, and that is the team that handles our patent prosecution. Uh, Jim Mason handles our biotech and chemical applications, and Randy Isaacs handles everything else. Oh. And then we have a patent manager that the patent manager works extremely hard. She covers the work that uh, an assistant, a paralegal, and a docketing specialist would handle at a firm. Wow. Uh, she works, it, it's, a, it's a very crucial role for for our office. Oh, yeah. The support staff, paralegals in the patent realm are extremely important. So, and I take it she must do your docketing as well. She does. So we have a, we keep a, uh, we use Patricia as our docketing software. And so she manages all of that. She's really well versed on the back end and can manipulate it very well. Um, and she's, she's just, she's highly skilled and very well trained. Wow. That's uh it sounds like a small but very hardworking and efficient group because if you're doing all the patent work, that is probably, it, it sounds like you're, you guys are really uh, have high throughput as we like to say in biotech area. We do, we do. The team handles it very well. And I will say they, um, they, they work well with our licensing team. It's a pretty seamless integration of our group into the licensing team, which I, I think is very helpful. So what would you say some of the benefits are to Emory by having an in-house patent team? You've been there for a while. And as I mentioned, a lot of university tech transfer offices don't have an in-house patent team. 
In your, your view, what are some of the benefits that Emory's been able to derive by having such a team? I would say that the number one benefit is the cost. We we know what our we know what our patent prosecution spend for the most part is going to be because we we pay the salaries of our attorneys and our our patent paralegal. And so we can manage that better. That said, we still have foreign filing costs and foreign filing associate uh, foreign associate costs that we have to pay. Uh, but our having our attorneys on salary really makes it so that our our expense doesn't fluctuate. So we have that we can plan how much we're going to to spend. But then also just the familiarity. So we have a, a small group of patent attorneys who are working to service our faculty community. They are our attorneys get to know our faculties well, their research well. They can keep up to date with the research that they're doing. And I, I really think that that improves the the customer service and just the familiarity with the technology makes the prosecution move forward more smoothly. I would think that that's a tremendous advantage for your group because like you said, the PIs and researchers know the attorneys in your office. They know you, they're familiar with you, that you've worked together versus, you know, when you send work out to a law firm, it might go to a different law firm depending on what it is and, and people switch firms. So I, maybe consistency is a good way to describe it there. You get this consistent see in terms of personnel and people who already have a background working knowledge of, of the technology and what that PI is working on. So I that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I would imagine, too, in terms of when you get invention disclosures and things like that in your office, that you're able to kind of vet them more quickly and maybe more thoroughly and, you know, decide pretty quickly what you're going to file on and maybe not file on because you have worked so closely with PIs and you're so familiar with the technology. Is, is that the, the case? And do you do anything unique when it comes to vetting such disclosures? So it's interesting you say that because when we get our invention disclosures, they are assigned to the licensing associate. And the licensing associate is going to be the person who is tasked with looking through the prior art and trying to figure out how unique the technology is and what the commercial value of the technology is. That doesn't mean that if it's a if it's a close case or they're having a hard time finding what the prior art or searching the prior art, that they don't ask for help from the patent attorneys. Uh, but we really do try to focus our patent attorneys on prosecuting patents as opposed to doing the things that go along with it. And it, it this really has has been part of Emory's success in that the the patent attorneys are really prosecuting, they're drafting the responses, and they're negotiating with the patent office. And then the licensing associates take on a lot more of the additional roles, the, the customer service with the faculty members, and the um, the initial discussion about what to do with, uh, with the technology and whether to make a patent filing. Wow, that's really interesting. So then you're doing, I would assume, if you do a provisional, it's a full-blown provisional um, because your attorneys are drafting it. And then the same thing all the way, you know, soup to nuts, so to speak. They're they're doing everything from the beginning to the end. That is uh, certainly to file a full provisional is our preference. And yes. every in every opportunity that we can, we we like to do the upfront work, get that provisional written as opposed to filing a cover sheet provisional. Uh, our faculty do a lot of presenting and a lot of presentations. So we're we're not always fortunate sure. to get that full provisional filed before, but uh, the group does handle prosecution from soup to nuts, like you say, uh, and that's. I, I think that that further differentiates us from even some other universities that have 
in-house patent counsel who are doing some of their filings, but not all of the work. Exactly. So you guys have your own USPTO account, deposit account, and all that other stuff then that you maintain and manage as well. We do. We do. Again, our... I'm not going to repeat awesome. the name of my patent manager because I don't want anyone to hire her away from us. But <laughs> I don't blame you. I would, a, I would really grip onto her and make sure she, uh, you've got a good grasp there. No, I understand. But so we, we do have to work. We do work very hard as a team, and it it requires a lot of effort and just a lot of consistent effort on behalf of all of us to, sure. to keep it going. Yeah, and then I assume. You do PCTs too, which you would likewise handle using the U.S. Receiving Office because, again, you've got a USPTO deposit account. Now, do you do a lot of national phase filings off of that? Um, I'm assuming some of that depends if there's a licensee and what the technology is. I know you have a lot of pharma there. Um, Can you tell us just generally um, how that works there as well? Sure. So every week we have a meeting with our licensing team. And we discuss the provisional filing first, and then we'll later discuss, you know, a year later, we'll discuss if it's going to be converted and if it's going to be converted, if it's going to be a PCT or a U.S. filing. And then there's another meeting that we'll have that where we discuss uh, the PCTs and and how we're going to nationalize those applications. And we make those we make those decisions based on the, the technology, the value of the technology, how well we think it could be commercialized, and then particularly if it's a a small molecule or a biologic, we'll think through how broadly can we justify going and what do we think are the best locations for us to go. And we are able to to pursue more foreign rights, I think in part because of the EPG, because of the savings that we have in our uh, US filings, we can spend some of that money to pursue more foreign rights. That's great. And actually, speaking of small molecules and biologics, looking at your website, Emory has a very impressive list of therapeutic diagnostic device pipeline with some impressive licensees like Gilead, Glaxo, uh, Shire, which is now Takeda, GE Medical Systems. Uh, Is it your group that works closely with uh, the council for these licensees with respect to patent or litigation strategy? Or again, is that more of the licensing person or is that a combination of both? So it's a combination of both and that our EPG only only prosecutes applications that are unlicensed. As soon as it's licensed, we'll send it to outside counsel so that counsel can handle that on behalf of Emory. And then once it makes that transition from being prosecuted in-house to outside counsel, then I become more involved with the prosecution. And as we have these larger, um, these larger opportunities with these uh, small molecules in the biologics, that's when I get even more involved. And so we, we try to have as close of a, a relationship with our licensees as we can. Uh, it, it seems to make the relationship, it's just easier sure. uh, when you're familiar with the person on the other side. And we can discuss, you know, What's what's the commercial opportunity? Let's make sure that Emory, who's making the final decisions on patent prosecution, is going after the right thing. And then, as it becomes uh, as it becomes available on the market, then the royalty discussions even get a little bit easier because you have that existing relationship with the licensee. Now, I know you do a lot of licensing negotiation. Any idea how much of your time you would say spent assisting the licensing team with negotiations? I'd say it's a pretty high amount. It takes, I would say it takes the light, the lion's share of the work that I'm doing right now. 
but it, honestly, in addition to helping the licensing associates, I, there's a, a portfolio of, of agreements that I'm also responsible for negotiating on my own. So it's, I would say that licensing is, is a significant part of my, my day. Uh, but it's also, it's, it's exciting. I never know what the licensing associates are going to come in and ask me. Uh, they, for the most part, are experienced negotiators. They know what they're doing. And so when they're coming into my office, it's really because somebody has asked for something that is, we've never heard of it before. And we have to figure out what the implication of the proposed term would be. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What about um, monitoring licensees performance post-license? Do you do a lot of that as well? And I would imagine that's another big kind of time sink for you as well. It is a big, it is a big time sink. I try to reserve my Fridays every week to do that specific task, uh, in part because I really enjoy it. it. It's a lot of research going online, seeing what the, the companies are telling their investors about our product and comparing it to what they're telling us in our product development reports and making sure that those are the same, uh, checking out the clinical trials websites and making sure that we know exactly where it is in the phase of, uh, in the phase of development. And it's, it's a time for me to really sit down and look through uh, what's going on with our licenses. And it's a very important, I mean, it's important to Emory that we're, mon- we're, we're monetizing our technologies as best as we can. And so those Fridays are spent really executing on Emory's mission. And I would think that is probably something that very few universities do is, you know, the offices have already are kind of strapped in terms of personnel. I would think that what you're doing on those Fridays is something, you know, is very valuable. You can make sure your licensees are are kind of kept to task and that things are consistent in terms of reporting um, and probably able to avoid problems down the road by catching things earlier than maybe you would, you know, later. So that's kind of an interesting task that I, I don't think I've heard any other office really have, um, it, either they're doing or have the personnel to be able to do. Well, and I have uh, the fourth member of EPG. So we have, we have, in addition to me, we have the three people who are specifically tasked with patent prosecution. There is a fourth, Kim Dunn, who is our compliance associate. So she helps me with government compliance and making sure that we're complying with all the obligations of the BIDOL. And then also she helps me with our uh, licensee compliance. So she spends a lot of time going out, finding those payments, making sure they're being attributed to the right agreement and doing a lot of the legwork. And then she and I meet at least once a month to go through a specific set of licenses for that month. And it, um, you know, it just every, every license gets at least one touch every year, making sure that we know where it is. That's great. Now, having been in-house and now at Emory, what do you think some of the biggest challenges for your patent group is? I would say the volume of work uh, that we uh, that we are processing is significantly high, and we don't have the resources. Uh, we don't have sufficient resources, I think, to manage that in a way that is sustainable. We can do it for the interim. There are times when it gets really busy, uh, but our our patent managers worked very hard, and our patent attorneys work just extremely difficult. Um, within the larger group of OTT, we have had some turnover in our office, and that has made. Um, that has made it harder to keep up with everything that's going on, bringing in new associates, uh, some of whom need training. Uh, so I would say 
additional, additional, you know, it's probably the same at every university. We need additional resources just like everybody else. Yeah, funding is an issue with everyone that I, I talk with. And especially for, you know, your pet manager, it sounds like she works incredibly hard and um, needs to go on a vacation here and there time, you know, time and time again to, to get a break. So, um, yeah, but what you're saying is something I hear from a lot of universities. And we have had we have had outside counsel be very creative in ways that they can help us. And I, I would say to the extent that outside counsel is, is listening to this, to continue to, to think creatively on how you can help your clients because it makes you closer with your client, but then also it ingratiates you and uh, it, it gets you into their system a little bit better. So you're more top of mind for additional work. Yeah, that sometimes just lending a docketing person or a paralegal for no cost or something like that is, is really the way to go to help out clients when they need help, something like that. Um, given your impressive group of licensees that I mentioned earlier, particularly uh, several in the, the pharma space, can you tell us some of your office's biggest success stories? Sure. Um, certainly, Emory's success in the HIV space can't be ignored. Uh, more than 90% of people in the United States who have HIV are on a drug that was invented by Emory researchers. Uh, that's what we're best known for. and. But we're, we're trying hard to recreate that success. Uh, we have a strong pipeline of new therapeutics and are hopeful that this commercial success will continue. Uh, just since we've been out of the office or working out of the office because of the pandemic, uh, we've already negotiated one sublicense for a potential treatment for COVID. And it's it, it seems to be doing well so far. That's awesome. Well, hopefully you can recreate HIV. That, uh had a tremendous impact on society, that's for sure. What about switching gears and talking about Autumn and, and other organizations? What organizations do you find valuable um, and uh, help you and your colleagues in your day-to-day -day work? So I, I think that Autumn is very important for tech transfer offices. It's It allows the TTOs at various universities to stay in contact with each other. For the most part, we are all dealing with similar issues and there's no reason to recreate the wheel. So to the extent that someone's having, uh, that's experiencing a, a problem that they haven't, they haven't addressed before, Autumn provides a really good opportunity to reach out to all of your colleagues and find out how they're handling it. Uh, recently, I joined the, the Public Policy Task Force for Autumn. I, I'm a new member, but so far I've really enjoyed being a part of it. Yeah, they do a lot of great things. Um, what about other organizations like ABA, AIPLA? Are, are there other things that you and your colleagues participate in or find helpful? I mean, be, given the size of your office, it must be hard to keep up to date on a lot of the changes, a lot of the case law changes. Um, are those organizations helpful or have you found other ones that are more helpful for you and your group? So certainly within EPG, it's very important that we stay in touch with what's happening in patent prosecution and patent law. And our, we have found that AIPLA has been a good opportunity for us. Uh, BIO has very good uh, conferences to keep us up to date, uh, but really looking for the substantive, uh, the, the patent law specific and biotech specific uh, conference is really where, where we had. Um, one of my colleagues and I, she and I are both members of the Atlanta IP and a court. I found that to be very professionally and personally 
uh, helpful because it it keeps me in touch with the Atlanta bar. It's the Atlanta IP bar is is probably bigger than it is in some cities, and it's just nice to stay in contact with attorneys. I don't see attorneys as much as I used to, and I never thought that I would miss them, but but I do, and it's a good <laughs> opportunity. Uh, no offense, of course, Lisa. No, I was going to say for our listeners out there, you heard it here that someone actually missed an attorney <laughs> or missed attorneys. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. <laughs> that was pretty uh, But fun. I will say, being the only attorney who's giving the licensing advice, I'm not giving as much of the, I'm not doing the patent prosecution. Those, that's sure. what the prosecutors do. But answering the questions about the licensing and other compliance type issues, it's just nice to stay in contact with people who are also dealing with similar questions. Yeah. Have you, do you belong to LES at all or involved with that? I hear a lot of tech transfer managers tell me that they find that very helpful. Uh, are you involved or, or don't have time? I, I, have, I have spoken at several LES events, uh, but I, do, I haven't found the time to attend their meetings otherwise. I know that people in our office find it very helpful. It just hasn't been one for me. So, Laura, I'd like to close the podcast by asking my guests if they could have three wishes um, granted for their group, let's say like a genie in a bottle or have a vision for their group realized, what would that be? So my vision for the group isn't so far off from where we currently stand. It would be to have a fully resourced and supported IP law firm within the university setting uh, where we know how our success is going to be measured, and what metrics the university wants us to hit. And the good news is that's essentially where we are. Uh, we have we have strong leadership that communicates what they want us to do, and I feel like we're executing on that. Um, and it's EPG really is a, a well-oiled machine comprised of independent, independent professionals who are just executing on their job day in, day out. So I feel like we're close to our vision. And I think with some tweaks here and there, I, I think that we could fully realize it. Well, that's great. That's really, really great. So Laura, I can't thank you enough for all your insights and time today. It's been an absolute pleasure. If any of our listeners want to reach out and ask you any questions, where can they reach you? They can they can get me at laura.fahey.fritz at emory.edu. Uh, or you can get me at lfahey at emory. Edu. Awesome. Great. Thanks so much again, Laura. It's been great having this opportunity to talk to you. Thank you for listening to Technology Transfer IP. Please visit us online for more resources at techtransferipforum.com. New to Tech Transfer or a seasoned pro? Autumn is the global member organization for Tech Transfer and is here to help you get connected, get smart, and get ahead. Whether you work in academia, research, government, business development, corporate engagement, or startups, Autumn is dedicated to supporting you through education, advocacy, networking, and promotion. Join and you'll receive 20 free live webinars, as well as meaningful discounts on meetings and courses insider access to a vast network of colleagues to help you through challenges, and align on new technologies and the university decision makers who license them. Membership is open for 2023. Join us.